0: I told you this would happen, I told you, but did you listen? No, oh, Greggle's just a loony, but I assure you they are coming, yes, the bards, the bards, the troubadours, the minstrels, the artistically inclined, they're all coming, but oh, what's the use? Nobody respects The Bardic Inquisition. Hello everybody and welcome to the Bardic Inquisition podcast. I'm your host Vince and today I wanted to go over the Unearthed Arcana character origins document from Wizards of the Coast for 1D&D. Now for those of you who have been around you might notice that this is a repeat podcast and to those of you who listened to my first rendition of this thank you very much. It's kind of a wreck and I'm just kind of I'm redoing it. So, I wasn't happy with the one before, so here we go. Uh, right on into the next rendition of this one. So, with all that out of the way, uh, we have a lot to go over about these new character origins, including races, the new backgrounds, and a few rules from the rules glossary. So, let's get right into it, starting with the races. Now, before we get into the individual races, I wanted to point out a couple things, and that's number one, all of the races now just have a base 30-foot speed, uh, with the exception of the Wood Elf, which I'll get into when I get there, and then all of the stat increases that you would have gotten with your race before are now tied to the backgrounds, so that's going to be somewhat important, because now your race kind of like just... Gives you a little bit more freedom. You don't feel pigeonholed into playing a certain race just because you're, say, like a barbarian. But with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the first race, which is Human. Now, original Player's Handbook Human was relatively simple, and it just gave you a plus one to all of your stats. This human, I would say, is closer to the variant human rules, though, from the Player's Handbook, so I'll be using that as the comparison here. So, for starters, we still have Skillful, which gives you a proficiency in a skill of your choice. That's not changing. However, we now have a brand new skill called Resourceful, which gives us inspiration whenever we finish a long rest, and we have a returning favorite, kind of, in Versatile, Before, this was basically the feature that gave us a feat at first level. Now, it gives us an extra first level feat, which actually translates into us having two first level feats, but I'll get into that part later when we talk about feats. But, let's go ahead and move on to the Ardling, which is a brand new race that we see in this playtest document. Now, I would say the closest comparison race we have to that are the Asimar, that are from the Elemental Evil Player's Companion. Because like the ASMR, they're celestial in origin, but instead of looking just like a normal human, but you have an angelic guide, these guys are actually kind of like tieflings in that they're celestial-blooded, and they actually have animal heads based on which legacy or sub-race that you choose. Starting off with the abilities, all Ardlings gain resistance to Radiant damage and an ability called Angelic Flight, which, a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus per day, lets you sprout some Angelic Wings, which are spectral, and gives you a flying speed equal to your walking speed. Now, if you're in the air at the end of this movement, you do fall, but as long as you can get up to a ledge or something or find something to hold on to, you should be fine. Moving on to the legacies, though, first off, we have the Exalted Legacy. The suggested animals for this are Cat, Eagle, Goat, and Mule, and this gives you Thaumaturgy at 1st level, Divine Favor at 3rd level, and Lesser Restoration at 5th level. Next, we have the Heavenly Legacy. The suggested animal heads for that are Elephant, Owl, Pig, or Stork. And this gives you Light at 1st level, Cure Wounds at 3rd level, and Zone of Truth at 5th level. And to wrap it all up, we have the Idyllic Legacy. The suggested animal heads for this being Bear, Dog, Raven, or Toad. And this gives you Guidance at 1st level. Healing Word at 3rd level, and at 5th level we gain Animal Messenger. Now, it should be noted that each of these legacies is tied to a different Celestial Plane or Good Plane, with the Exalted being affiliated with Chaotic Good, Heavenly being associated with Lawful Good, and Idyllic being associated with Neutral Good. But, as a final thought on this race, I would say it seems like a pretty welcome addition to the Player's Handbook, as it gives us kind of a furry race in the Player's Handbook, and it also gives us a celestial race that's actually in the Player's Handbook. Two birds, one stone, seems like a good addition. And, moving right along to the Dragonborn, this one hasn't changed too terribly much, we still have damage resistance based on your dragon origin choice, and we still get the draconic language, but we have a slight change in the breath weapons in that they are all 15 foot cones and require a dex save to avoid. And then we have uh, Dark Vision now on the Dragonborn, which is a nice, pleasant surprise. Like I said, hasn't changed too much, but I do think the addition of Dark Vision makes them infinitely more playable. Moving on to the Dwarf. It's now just one race. Unfortunately, we do miss out on that heavy armor training from the Mountain Dwarf and that sweet plus two plus two, but we do still have Dark Vision, we do still have Poison Resistance, and we get the Hill Dwarves Dwarven Toughness. As for those starting tool proficiencies, Brewer's tools are off the list, but we do still get to choose between Mason's tools, Smith's tools, or now, jeweler's tools and tinker's tools. Now, stone cunning has been completely reworked. It no longer gives us knowledge of stonework or masonry, but instead, now is a bonus action ability that gives us tremor sense, and we can use this a number of times equal to our proficiency bonus. But final thoughts on the changes here? Um, A lot of people might see the loss of the Mountain Dwarf as a nerf, but I think these changes are okay. I will miss the starting proficiency of the Brewer's Tools, but I think the new Stone Cutting ability seems like it's actually fun and might come up every now and then. But let's move on to an old favorite in the Elf. Now, as a whole race, the Elves have not actually changed too much. We still have Dark Vision we still have fey ancestry which gives us advantage versus the charm effect we still have keen senses which gives us advantage on our sorry (laughs) gives us proficiency on our perception skill and we still have trance but i did notice that each legacy is missing that elven weapon training now moving on to the legacies we have the drow starting off and the only real change here is the lack of weapon training, of course, but also the lack of sunlight sensitivity. This is a huge boon. I'm so glad we don't have to worry about sunlight, am I right? But other than that, we still get dark vision of 120 feet, we still get the dancing lights cantrip at first level, fairy fire at third, and darkness at fifth. But moving on to the high elf. They still get their one cantrip, which starts out as Prestidigitation, but we can change it on a long rest, and we now get Detect Magic at 3rd level, and at 5th level we get Misty Step. The Wood Elf still gives us a speed increase of 35 feet, but now we gain the Druidcraft cantrip at level 1, Longstrider at 3rd level, and Pass Without Trace at 5th level. Noticeably missing is the Mask of the Wild feature for the Wet Elf, but Pass Without Trace at 5th level kinda replaces that, so that's okay to me. Overall these seem like pretty decent changes, I'm okay with most of it, if not all of it, and I really really like those extra little spells that the other subraces of Elf get. Moving on to the gnome, they look similar on the surface, but there's actually some little tweaks here and there that I noticed. We still get Darkvision, but Gnomish Cunning has actually changed to not specify that you have those Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma saving throw advantages against Magic. It's now just any Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma saving throw. But as for the subraces, we still have the Forest Gnome, and we still have the Rock Gnome. The forest gnome still gets the minor illusion cantrip, but rather than have that speak with small beasts feature they had, they just get the speak with animals spell, which of course they can cast a number of times equal to their proficiency bonus, and they can use any spell slots they have to cast that spell. The rock gnome, however, now has the mending and the prestidigitation cantrips. And one of the things they can do with that Prestige agitation cantrip is to make a clockwork device like a toy, a fire starter, or a music box. And it does cost 10 GP each time you do this. Fairly minor changes here, but noticeable all the same. But on to the halfling, which is now, just like the dwarf, one race. We still get Brave, which gives us advantage against being Frightened and advantage on ending the frightened condition we get the halfling nimbleness feature which i believe came from the lightfoot halfling which lets you move in between the space of any creature larger than you and we still get the luck trait which lets us reroll ones as a minor change though we do now get proficiency in the stealth skill so that'll help As for these changes, I think it's fine that the halfling is now one race. I don't know anybody that chose stout halfling, and if they did, it was for the stats. But as that's no longer relevant, I think this is okay. And now on to the orc. And notice I said orc and not half orc. The reason for this is that Wizards is kind of removing the half races from the player's handbook, stating that you can still play them, But you basically just pick one race for all of your traits, and then looks-wise, you can look however you want to um, as far as mixing the two races goes. But comparing the Orc race here to the old Half-Orc, we still get Dark Vision and Relentless Endurance, but now we have a new ability called Adrenaline Rush, which we can use a number of times equal to our proficiency bonus which basically just lets us dash as a bonus action, and gain some temporary hit points, equal to our proficiency bonus. It's a small boost, but I think it'll add up. As for the final trait here, we get the powerful build feature, which I believe comes from the Goliath race, and it allows you to count as one size larger when determining your carrying capacity and the weight that you can push, drag, or lift. This ability doesn't seem like it's too relevant for most people, but if you're the type of player that likes to loot all of the bodies and take their armor and weapons and stuff to resell later, this might be actually pretty useful for you. And now on to the final race in this document, and the one that I'm probably most impressed with as far as changes go, and that's the Tiefling just like before, the Tiefling still gets darkvision and still gets the Thaumaturgy cantrip, but that's where the similarities end, except for one thing, which I'll get to in a second, because now the Tiefling has legacies. Just like with the Ardling legacies, these are affiliated with different evil planes. Abyssal, being associated with chaotic evil, Chthonic, being associated with neutral evil, and Infernal, being associated with Lawful Evil. Now I'm gonna do things a little out of order and start with Infernal first, because they're the most like the Vanilla Tiefling from the Player's Handbook from 2014. The Infernal Tiefling gains Fire Resistance, they gain the Firebolt Cantrip, which is new, they gain Hellish Rebuke at third level, and fifth level they get Darkness. As for the new Legacies, Abyssal gives you resistance to poison damage, the Poison Spray Cantrip at 1st level, Ray of Sickness at 3rd level, and Hold Person at 5th level. And finally, the Chthonic Legacy gives you Resistance to Necrotic Damage, the Chill Touch Cantrip, False Life at 3rd level, and Ray of Enfeeblement at 5th level. There's no downside. There's no nerf. These are all additions, and I am loving it. But enough about races, let's go ahead and move on to the background portion of this document. Alright, let's talk about a major change in the way that the backgrounds are presented in the player's handbook versus this new document. Whereas before, you kind of had a list of backgrounds to choose from, or alternatively, you could make a custom background. Now they suggest making a custom background, and then they have a list of samples just in case. But what all do you get with your background? Well, I have it right here in front of me. For the first thing is your ability scores. You now get a plus two in one ability of your choice and a plus one in a secondary ability, or alternatively you could do three plus ones. You get two skill proficiencies of your choice, one tool proficiency, and one language as well as 50 gold worth of starting equipment. Oh, and of course, you get a level 1 feat. But before we move on to the feats, I wanted to note just a couple of things about the languages here in this document, Um, in that common sign language is now listed amongst the standard languages, and amongst the rare, we also have Thieves' Cant and Druidic, and I don't think those were in there before, but they are now. But let's go ahead and move on to the feats, starting with the alert feat. Now, the alert feat has changed quite a bit in that there's no line regarding surprise and that there's no line about unseen attackers, but you still have the bonus to initiative, but this one's equal to your proficiency bonus instead of just a plus five, and there's an extra line regarding an initiative swap, which basically lets you... Uh, Whenever you roll initiative, swap with one willing ally. From a strictly metagaming standpoint, this does seem a little nerfed, as you can still be surprised, and your unseen attacker enemies can still gain advantage on you. But I really do like the initiative swap line, as it allows you to strategize with your friends at the beginning of combat, and kind of really figure things out. Moving on to a new feat called the crafter feat, this one allows you to gain Tool proficiency with three different tools of your choice gives you a discount of 20% when buying non magical items, and allows you to craft items with tools that you have proficiency with 20% faster. This seems pretty good if your group utilizes downtime, but if they don't really, then I would skip over this one. But on to one that I wouldn't skip, and that's the new healer feat. This one has changed quite a bit in that you can no longer stabilize a person using your healer's kit to 1 HP, but instead, you can spend one charge of a healer's kit to heal a creature. Now, it does use that creature's hit die, and it does spend that hit die, but it's still really useful being able to heal someone outside of a short rest, especially if you don't have healing spells. But that's not all this feat does, because it also has a second part called healing rerolls. Basically, whenever you roll a 1 using this feat or a spell to recover hit points, you can re-roll the die, but you must use the new roll. Honestly, solid 10 out of 10. Whether you don't have healing spells and you want to help out, or whether you're a healer and you want a little extra buff to your healing, this seems like an auto-include. Now onto one that hasn't changed that much, and that's the Lucky Feet. Now they did reword the part about advantage to where you can no longer turn your disadvantage into advantage, but the amount of luck points that you have are now equal to your proficiency bonus instead of just being a solid 3. Honestly, if you were using the Lucky Feet as intended before, this isn't really much of a nerf, and is in fact a buff later on. But if you were trying to break it before using, like, the blinded condition to give yourself advantage, this is going to seem like a sad change for you. Now, as for the Magic Initiate feat, there's really only a slight change here as there are now just three spell lists to choose from and now you just pick the spellcasting ability that you use for these spells, so it really isn't much of a change in terms of the actual feat, but more of just an overall rules change that affects the feat itself. Now let's talk about a new one. This one's called Musician. What this feat does is it gives you tool proficiency with up to three musical instruments of your choice, and it allows you to use those instruments whenever you take a short or long rest, and whenever you play a song at the end of a rest, you can give inspiration to all of your allies. The Savage Attacker feat, which is the next feat on our list, has not changed too much. It still lets you roll your weapon dice twice and choose the best result, but it now works with ranged weapons whereas it didn't before. This change is probably not noticeable if you were playing a strength-based class, but if you're like a dex fighter or a ranger even, this seems like a big boon. Moving on, we have the skilled feat, which still gives you three skill proficiencies of your choice, but you can no longer choose tools like you could before in the player's handbook, and this one's actually repeatable now, whereas it wasn't before. And this is kind of crazy when you consider the new human race, as you can just pick the Skilled Feet twice. So doing the math, if you are a human rogue with the Skilled Feet twice, you get three skills from the first Skilled Feet, three from the second for a total of six, four for being a rogue, and then another two just for your background. That's a total of twelve skill proficiencies. That is nuts when you consider that there are only 18 skills on that character sheet. Meaning, you're only not good at 6 things. But, on to another one before I get too into the weeds. And into another one that I'm probably going to get into the weeds about again. And that's the Tavern Brawler feat. The new Tavern Brawler feat still has the enhanced unarmed strikes part of it, where you still do a d4 plus your strength but it replaces the grapple with a shove, which is actually part of the attack instead of using your bonus action, and it's more specific about what kind of furniture you can use as weapons and what they count as. There's also an extra part of this feat that's just gravy where you can re-roll ones on the die for your damage with your unarmed strikes. <laughs> what? This seems crazy compared to what it used to be before. Which admittedly wasn't that great, but it seems really good now. But rounding off our first level feats is one that's kind of boring and really hasn't changed at all, and that's the tough feat. Basically, same as before, it just adds two hit points per level to your character. But that's all the feats! So let's go ahead and move on to that rules glossary and see what we can find. Alrighty then, the first thing I noticed looking at the glossary is of course the new spell lists that are defined, the arcane spell list, the divine spell list, and the primal spell list. Now the arcane spell list is basically the one that the wizards, the sorcerers, the warlocks, and the bard uh, are using. Whereas the Divine Spell List is for Clerics and Paladins, and the Primal Spell List is for Rangers and Druids. They also defined the different kinds of tools and set their prices. The Artisan Tools are 15 gold apiece now, the Musical Instruments are 20 gold apiece, and Gaming Sets are now only 1 gold apiece. They also coined the term D20 Test in this playtest document which is basically just an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, but it's just one nice little term to mean all three of those things. Moving on, they have a few conditions in here. One of them is the grappled condition, one of them being the incapacitated condition, and then they have a new one called the slowed condition. The grappled condition now as before sets their speed to zero, but it also gives disadvantage on attack rolls, that you make against anyone but the grappler, and it also means you can be moved by the person grappling you. And in order to escape, it defines that it's now a dexterity or strength saving throw against the grappler's escape DC. And just like before, of course, the condition is also ended if the grappler is incapacitated or if you are moved by something other than your speed. Now, with the incapacitated condition, It still has the line about not being able to attack or take actions or reactions, but it also now specifies that you cannot concentrate, that you cannot speak, and if you are incapacitated when you roll initiative, you roll with disadvantage. Now, with the slowed condition being completely new, here is what it does. You have limited movement, meaning you move at half of your speed, Attack rolls against you have advantage, and you have disadvantage on your dexterity saving throws. Later on in this glossary, they do define a long rest, and they specify that you regain half of your hit dice rounded down when you take a long rest, and if you are interrupted but you've taken at least one hour of that long rest, you gain the benefits of a short rest. They also define tremor sense in this document, stating that a creature with tremor sense can pinpoint the location of a creature and moving objects within a specific range, provided that the creature with tremor sense and anything it's detecting are both in contact with the same surface. And a small note there that it says also tremor sense can't detect creatures or objects in the air, and that tremor sense does not count as a form of sight. But, on to the last thing in the glossary, and probably the biggest buff to the monk class, the new unarmed strike rules. Just like before, it's specified that your modifier to hit with an unarmed strike is your strength mod plus your proficiency bonus. But now, whenever you hit with an unarmed strike, you can choose one of three options. A. Damage. Whenever you damage the target, they take bludgeoning damage equal to 1 plus your strength modifier. Obviously, this is different if you are a monk. B, grapple. You can only do this if you have a free hand, but if you grapple the target, the escape DC is going to be 8, plus your strength mod, plus your proficiency bonus. And you can only grapple things that are no more than one size larger than you. And then we have C, which is shove. You can choose to shove a creature 5 feet away or knock the target prone. The Shove, once again, is only possible if the target is no more than one size larger than you. This seems like a really good buff to the Monk class, and honestly, they needed it because they weren't that great before, and they kind of struggled to keep up with the other Marshals. But between this and the new Tavern Brawler feat and the new Grappler feat in an upcoming document... It seems like they're making a lot of positive changes to kind of equal things out. Well played, Wizards of the Coast. Well played. But let's go ahead and move into the outro so that we can call it a day and get you guys out of here. guys thank you for listening to this week's episode of the bardic inquisition don't forget you can email us at bardic at yahoo.com also don't forget you can find us on spotify and we are working on getting onto apple and as one little last surprise announcement we are working on getting a patreon set up for the show so that way if you want to donate and support the show that you can and that'll be the place to do it But until next week, I've been your host, Vince. Thanks for listening, and keep on playtesting. This podcast contains clips from Crunk Night, Cortosis, Evil March, Heroic Age, Our Story Begins, and Unwritten Return, all by Kevin McLeod.